Hello, I'm Alice Murray, editor of The Drawdown, and I'm delighted to be speaking with Mike Dickey, head of product at MUFG Investor Services. Hi, Mike. Hi, Alice, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, so today we're thinking about partnerships and outsourcing. Um, as we enter the fifth month of continued lockdown restrictions, the longer lasting effects of the pandemic are really starting to be felt. And one notable impact on private equity firms has been the acknowledgement of needing strong partners. Prior to the pandemic, there was a lingering sense of ambivalence around outsourcing. Should everything be kept in house? What functions suit being outsourced? How much control or access should third parties have? But now that sentiment appears to be shifting with private equity firms needing to focus their time and attention on existing investments and communicating effectively and consistently with LPs. Working with trusted partners when it comes to non-core functions is now a no-brainer. So with the outsourcing debate seemingly slipping away, today we're thinking about how operational leaders can make sure they're getting the best out of their partners. So Mike, how much does this resonate with you? Are you seeing private equity firms and your clients thinking more about outsourcing? I mean, I, I think the pandemic has, has pushed firms even harder to consider outsourcing. Um, you know, it, it, it's been an ongoing trend, but I think more functions specifically in the back middle office are, are kind of really going to expedite. Um, you know, we, we've seen an uptick, at least in, in opportunities, um, I'd say lots of firms I've spoken and some of our clients really struggled actually as they kind of transitioned into, pandem into the pandemic. Um, you know, a lot of these firms were office-based, right? Mm. Um, everyone line of sight, very focused on, on that day-to-day -day interaction. So when, you know, everyone had to work from home, it really kind of sent a shockwave through each of these kind of businesses and they were really challenged with that transition. I, you know, I think service providers have, generally been you know more hardened to these shocks because it's been a focus and, and a point of investment for them you know service mm -hmm. is the core function and, and they really they consider these events and that and they have to because really it's critical to make sure that we can ensure client delivery but also you know the reputational impacts of failure are you know they could put you out of business so mm -hmm. i think you know i think that's that's been something that has kind of really been brought to the forefront you know, I think shocks always seem to trigger events like this, it seems. You know, if I look back at the financial crisis, it kind of tri triggered some significant outsourcing in Europe. I think that was partly due to regulation, but also really as a way to mitigate and control costs. You know, as funds were raised, they kept um, having to add staff, and, and I think that variable was, was, was harder for them to manage. I think the current pandemic will kind of further that trend, you know, Europe is already fairly well penetrated, but I think also, you know, what's naturally happening in the U.S. is going to speed up um, as, as firms look more hard at, at, at making these types of decisions. Okay, so definitely we're seeing, you know, that this shift and in increased focus on outsourcing. Um, but in the past, there has been some hesitancy when using service providers and third parties around loss of control. So what does an increased move to outsourcing mean on those terms? It's a, it's, a, it's a really good point. I think one thing that I've been seeing and I think MEFG has been focused on is oversight. Um, you know, as firms outsource more, uh, you know, they want more effective ways to manage and oversee their partners with, without really having to add staff. Um, service providers, I guess, 
from that perspective, have really needed to invest in technology to support that facilitation. I mean, if you think about some of the key buzzwords of the last decade, one has always been transparency. You know, transparency has kind of been one of the mantras of the past decade. And, you know, really it used to mean, uh, you know, for, for me and, and I think a lot of people, it meant data. Uh, but now, really, we think, you know, I see it as encompassing process. You know, firms want visibility into the things that the providers are doing, whether that be the NAV processing, payments, reconciliations, or, or reference data updates. Um, you know, if you think about it, they, they, for them to effectively do their job, you know, picking up the phone or sending an email isn't really you know, all that efficient anymore. They want to interact through, you know, whether that be a, a portal for approvals or online review of deliverables, or, you know, what we're seeing is, is even initiating processes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you think about it, email, you know, the, the time consumption and time waste of, of trying to chase things back and forth is really, it, it, it's inefficient for both, you know, the, you know, the investment manager as well as, as well as the service provider, mm-hmm. you know, I think, oh, I think if you know investment managers can't scale oversight, they're not really getting full value out of their outsourced arrangement. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so does this mean that then, as a service provider, is, are they you know are you changing how you respond? Are you uh, you know what, what are you what are you doing to make sure that you can uh, yeah you can react to that? I think I mean. From our perspective, it's really forced us to look at how we consider how we work behind the curtain. You know, I think particularly in private equity, it's it's always been somewhat of a manual operation. And, you know, you have systems that do this and, and you know, systems that don't handle everything. And really for, for clients to get the transparency, providers need the processes connected, whether that be through integration or, or workflows. Um, you know, this has kind of forced firms away from kind of the manual process and and drives really more automation over across the firm, which is, which is a positive thing for everybody. I, mm-hmm. I think from, from an MEFG investor service, excuse me, from an MEFG investor services perspective, um, you know, we had to invest heavily in data and we had to invest really in our workflow capabilities because those are kind of the backbone of everything. You know, I think, from a, you know, within our hedge business, we've had strong success in, in track record, but, you know, we, we really need to top our game on the private equity side. And, you know, I guess one example for us is, you know, we now have workflow and integrated process across our entire LP services platform, you know, whether that be from, you know, the incoming email of the capital call and that being kind of tracked all the way through to client delivery. So, you know, for us, that you know those types of things is how we how we're trying to look at really the way we do things for for all of our asset strategies and the alternatives Mm -hmm. um which yeah which is such an important piece in all of this i mean something that we've we've looked at more recently is you know the greater use of third parties and good partners means then that general partners and, and investment firms can be benefiting from those investments that you're making and, and be accessing kind of, you know, higher top levels of tech and systems that just would be, you know, near impossible for them to replicate themselves in-house. 
Um, okay, so so how is this working um, in practice? Have you got any specific examples of ways in which that you've been working with your clients? Yeah, I mean, historically, I'd say we've always been really strong in, in data integration. So, you know, getting our clients their data, whether that be through some kind of interface or, or, or delivery mechanism outside of that, you know, it has, it's been something we've been really comfortable with. But I think, you know, as an example, that I kind of somewhat just referenced on, you know, one of our product lines for, you know, limited partners, you know, we've, we've had to really look at, you know, end to end how we've dealt with that. So, you know, all communications being tracked, whether that be evaluation, a capital call or, or any of those types of activities, you know, when we, when we set out to build and, and, and built this platform, you know, we, our, our clients weren't necessarily used to, the operating model that we were, we were working in. Um, you know, I guess one, one recent experience we've had is, you know, when we engaged a client, you know, they were used to seeing all sorts of reports and reconciliations to demonstrate, you know, we've done the work we said we've done. Um, and, you know, from our view, you know, because our platform was integrated, you know, a capital call notice comes in, the, you know, comes into the inbox, it's tracked as an event, you know, it, it moves automatically to the next kind of, you know, to the tool that then scrapes the data off the notice and pushes it to the GL and then to our payment tool. You know, our, our, our entire ecosystem was built around connectivity and, and being able to give that visibility to clients and that, you know, that basically that, that control environment. Um, you know, being able to give that type of transparency removed a ton of overhead for us, but I guess it also kind of, allowed us to push back on clients and say, you know, some of the things that, you know, you're used to having or things you didn't, you know, didn't think you uh, had before, you know, it really allowed, it kind of forced them to change the way that they looked at us and, and kind of how they interacted with us and, and, you know, created a much stronger relationship. You know, we, we were able to give them, you know, visibility to what we're doing. So a lot of the things that we needed to, 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 to provide whether that be weekly, daily, they could they could get on a, you know an easy basis just by clicking and logging into something, and so for for us it gave us great benefit that you know we were saving man hours on, on producing these reports, but also for them, you know they knew that you know an SLA was being met, they could see when a payment was due, uh, and and that you know for them that that saved them a lot of effort on their side for for oversight. Mm. Fantastic. So it's kind of it's it's creating almost like a virtuous cycle where you're you're both kind of lifting each other further and further up. <laughs> mm, definitely. It, it kind of moves us even more to, you know, what you what you'd expect to see in, in probably some of the more liquid asset classes, which is, you know, certainly a lot more controlled environment than, than the op the than the universe that we operate in, in, in the you know, on the PE real asset side. Absolutely, which yeah, I guess is the is where everything's moving and, and the ultimate goal. And um, it, yeah, it seems like kind of current conditions is is acting like a bit of a catalyst to to get there. Definitely, definitely. I mean, that's what that's what we're striving for. Good stuff. Excellent. Okay, Mike. Well, look, um, really great to speak to you today. Thanks so much for your time and your insight. No, thank you. And no, I appreciate um, I appreciate the conversation.
Oh, my pleasure. And thank you very much for listening.